Hello, welcome to series five, episode three of the Prompted by Nature podcast. I hope you're doing well on this hopefully fine day. Things have been quite crazy here and I'm being really intentional, which is a word that's used quite a lot in today's episode, in slowing down and starting to reconnect with my creativity because there's just been a lot going on recently. I might have mentioned it in the last uh, episode Benfield Valley Project has grown so much and there's been a lot of campaigning happening, talking to the press. There's just a lot going on and um, it kind of started to get a bit on top of me. So I am deliberately being very conscious of where I'm putting my energy Not that I don't want to put it in certain places, but sometimes, you know, when you love something and you feel passionately about it, it's very easy for it to sort of take over your life. And I feel like it's very easy to start neglecting your creativity because it's the thing that just sort of hangs in the background and sort of sits there and waits for you to sort of go, okay, come on then, let's go. And then it like jumps up like a little puppy dog being told it's going to go for a walk. Um, so I'm trying to nurture that puppy dog (laughs) at the moment. Uh, and it's actually been really lovely to, yeah, just get back to it really and try and find some kind of balance, which is again, something we talk about in today's, uh, episode. But before we get to the episode, the action point for this week is just to contact your MP (laughs) because it's really easy to, I think like, get a bit uh, bogged down by everything and then forget that we do actually have a voice. So if there's something that's happening at the moment that you're really not happy about, maybe it's fracking. When I, As I'm recording this, um, there is a debate in Parliament happening, probably as I speak, about whether or not the ban on fracking should be lifted. No, it shouldn't. There we go. Um, and so it might be that you... Uh, so I don't... Uh, at this point, I don't know what the outcome that of that will be, but the, by the time this goes out, we will know. Um, so whatever it is that's like current for where you are at the moment, whether it's fracking, whether it's um, supporting the transition to renewable energy uh, and moving away from fossil fuels, whether it's, um, you know, climate justice or uh, social justice, whatever it is you feel passionately about. Remember, you have an MP who is supposed to represent you, whatever party they're in, they're supposed to represent their constituents. And the more that we make our voice heard to our MPs or our representatives, wherever you are in the world, um, the more they realise actually, oh, these there are more of these people than I realised who actually want the world to be a nicer place. Um, and... Uh, maybe I should start doing something about that. Otherwise, I might not be elected again. So um, in the UK, you can, con- if you don't know your MP or your local councillor's email address, you can find it on www.writetothem.com. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, you put your postcode in and then, yeah, you can you can write them. And I know there are versions of that around the world. It's just if I start listing off different countries and how you could get in contact with them. We'll be here all day, really. Um, So yeah, that's the action point. Contact your MP about something you feel passionately about and find out what their views are on that thing and what they're doing about it. Anyway, on to today's episode. So as I mentioned, we talk about balance, we talk about intentional uh, creativity and 
this was in my conversation that I had a few weeks ago with the wonderful Eleanor Cheatham. So Eleanor is a writer, editor, mentor and teacher, intrinsically connected with the land, inspired by ancient British folklore and stories and the soulful relationships that our ancestors had with the more than human world. She believes that words and stories are medicine for our mind and food for our soul, and that we are all storytellers. You'll find her at Creative Countryside, an independent publishing press, Wild Writers, a sacred space for soulful words, and the World Academy, a home for untamed learning. Um, doesn't that all sound just like so delicious and lovely? Um, so we co- in this conversation, we discuss things like the concept of creative spirit and what that means to Eleanor. We talk about her own uh, creative practice and following our own creative flow. She talks about this concept of tilt, finding a tilt rather than a balance, which I quite liked as someone that struggles with balance. Uh, We talked about intentionality in our creative practice, um, her own journey of creativity, the problem with permission slips. We talk about creative countryside and the World Academy that Eleanor runs and how she overcomes creative blocks and lots more things. It was such a lovely conversation. Before we start though, I should say, so I don't know what happened, but my microphone just wasn't working properly. So my sound quality isn't good, but I really hope that that doesn't detract from what Eleanor's saying. I don't think it does because her sound quality isn't affected at all. In fact, hers is really good, much better than mine. But I didn't realise at the time that my microphone was obviously not working properly. So I apologise for that. Um, but it, And it's something just to bear in mind. And I really hope it's not too distracting because this really was such a lovely conversation. And accompanying episodes that you might like to listen to after this one. So uh, we kind of talk a little bit about this concept of like composting words and I said to Eleanor oh I had that conversation with someone in series one and I can't remember who it was anyway uh, we got to it and um, I think it was Ian Solomon Kowal the interview that I did with him KMT Um, that's series one episode 8a biodiversity creativity and safe space in urban settings and a few other really nice ones that would go well with this Um, is series one, episode 13, uh, with Dawn Nelson, Rewilding the South Through Storytelling. Series two, episode 10, Marshall Farrell, My Garden, My Story. And then series three, episode two, Stella Tomlinson, our lovely priestess, Priestesshood and Earth-Based Spirituality. So have a listen to any one of those or all of them after you've listened to this one um, because they link quite well. And um, yeah, that's obviously all the writing prompts that go with them as well. You can find Eleanor on her website, which is www.creativecountryside.com and The Wild Academy you can find at thewildacademy.co.uk. She's also on Instagram at creativecountryside. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the conversation. The writing prompt will be out on Wednesday. Have a lovely extra hour in bed if you're listening to this as as it's come out because the clocks went back last night. And if you didn't realise that, the clocks went back last night. You've got an extra hour in bed. Perhaps not if you've got kids, though, Um, because they don't get told. Um, So, yeah, I hope you enjoy this one. As always, I'm at prompted.by.nature on Instagram. I'm prompted x nature on twitter and the website is www.promptedbynature.co.uk enjoy the episode and i'll speak to you soon happy listening bye hello 
I'm Eleanor. I'm a writer, an editor, a mentor, and a teacher. And I run three businesses, Creative Countryside, which is an independent printing publishing press, Wild Writers, which is a sacred space for soulful words, and also the Wild Academy, which is a home for untamed learning. And I guess for some, this multifaceted approach seems like quite a lot. But for me, these, I, I guess they're all threads that stitch together to form really who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think individually and as a, as a collective, they support my ongoing journey to feel more rooted in the living world. Because I really do believe that we have this, we hold this intrinsic connection within us to the wild. And that when our creative spirit comes alive we have that power to deepen that relationship and to know ourselves more intimately and my personal way to cultivate this creative spirit is through words and stories that is such a succinct like all-encompassing way of introducing what you do i just and i love that idea of deepening the connection through inspiring the creative spirit what so not to get in too deep too quick but no go for it <laughs> what, what does what does that what is that creative spirit like what does that kind of mean to you how did that come into your uh mind psyche like yeah I'd love to hear about that aspect of it yeah so I suppose this sense of it being um a spirit um is is the idea that it feels alive and I think that when we consider our creativity as this living, breathing entity, it feels fluid, but also moving. And often we can say, oh, yes, I'm, I don't know, a writer or a potter or a painter. And I've done this thing here. And it can feel quite static. And I think really what connects me so deeply with this is the idea that it is an unfurling, ever-changing, ongoing journey, rather than this um, point to strive for or this this goal to reach for and I think that's really reflected by my ongoing connections with the cycles and the rhythms of the living world around us because if we look to everything out there <laughs> um, we we can kind of I don't want to say align our creativity with that um, but really we can we can see how processes unfold in the natural world in the living world I should say and how that is really what happens with <laughs> this spirit this journey this creativity this creation of whatever it is that our soul speaks to and it isn't that that is ever going to feel complete and I think that's what it is really that this is a lifelong journey for me and if I'm going to keep going with this creative practice so for me that's writing um, or editing or something to do with words and stories if we're going to keep going with that it needs to feel alive it needs to feel like something we're passionate about that's that really sparks that fire within us and I think that sense of the fire um, really speaks to me and my creativity because it it reminds us that it's there crackling away like an ember even though it might we go through those phases where it might feel like it's gone out we can reignite, we can reconnect, and it's that cycle again. And I think that's what that spirit really means to me. 
I love that image that you just gave of, of the sparkling, the crackling ember of creativity. Like it's not always a flame and roaring. Sometimes it just needs that, that dying space almost to then have some oxygen, which, which um, yeah, ignites it again, I guess. Yeah, and those phases are just as important because we can't, you know, if, if, if you think about the image of a fire, we can't keep it going at that same rate all the time. It's exhausting. It uses so many resources. You know, if you think of the wood going on an actual fire, it uses so many resources continually. It's hard work. And we need those phases in our life and in our creative practice where it feels like maybe there's not that burning flame and things are moving with that fast pace. What, what, where we can really connect with what's beneath, you know, that those embers, they're hot, there's stuff going on there, we might not be able to see it. And I think that's really reflected in the living world. If we're thinking about, you know, the seeds and the bulbs underneath the earth, winter is a time where lots of people feel disconnected. But if we shift our mindset and kind of reroot ourselves into that world, it can feel magical or even more full of life I think sometimes it's just that maybe we don't see it or we don't connect with it in the same way and I think that is really reflected in and creative um, work and practices as well. I was just thinking I feel like so much of our world now is about the outward show of I'm doing this and I'm doing that and when you were talking about you know you know some people not being able to connect with the, the, the darkness of winter it feels like that's yeah it's part of the journey um it's part of it all i just wonder about you know we're so almost trained to be out without without words that we we don't leave that space for ourselves to just incubate if you like that's a really interesting question i think for me when i was when i was first starting to develop my practice i guess it felt like I had to write and show up every day. It felt like, as you were just describing there, that I was fitting in with that expectation and that that movement in the modern, you know, world that we all are a part of. Um, and I know for some people that really works as well, showing up with that sense of consistency. But for me personally, there was this constant pressure, I suppose, and that sense of necessity and that feeling that I had to do this I should be doing this this was the way I had to follow and I absolutely agree that some for some people that will really work showing up every day for example to your creative practice carving out that time for yourself producing focusing on what it is you want to create it can feel abundant and prolific and exciting and wonderful and that works for some people but I think the thing the place where I'm coming from is that it doesn't work for everybody and it's more about figuring out and asking those questions does this work for me does this feel good am I following my own creative journey my own creative practice and for me that ends up being reflective of everything going on in the, in the living world those cycles and those rhythms I was speaking of and for, for you for other people it might be very different but I think that's really what I'm about that it's connecting with what's within so that we can feel 
comfortable so that we can feel happy so that we can feel passionate about our own practices I hope that makes sense it really does and I was just thinking I can really relate to that because I know when I first started well pretty much everything I've done but when definitely when I first first started prompted by nature with like because initially obviously I was doing the, the writing prompts and that then became like that the thing that I just had to keep doing because it was like that was the expectation I'd set for myself is like right I'm going to post these things and and share this writing and, and then it kind of turned into the podcast and I realized probably after the first or second series that actually I need that you know the time of creating and speaking to people and and, and doing prompts and whatever else but then I, ha- I I literally was running my well my well was empty I was really running myself dry and I know that's complete like it's one of those things where I'm like Helen you know this you know that you can't just keep creating you have to sit back and just have that time of quiet so I can really relate to yeah what you're saying about these sort of cycles and these waves almost you know um but it isn't easy I don't think either because when we're placed within that system that surrounds us there is always going to be I think that that lingering expectation whether we feel like we believe in it or not I mean even I've been doing this for going with this approach for a really long time for loads of years now but I still feel that I still feel that sense of oh god I should be doing this or maybe that should be happening right now or I just need to keep going and those feelings and those thoughts they still come out and I think until there is a fundamental societal change to these expectations it's not going to go away Um, And it's more about learning to realize that messaging, what it is, how it sits with us, which parts we agree or disagree with and kind of carve our own paths. I think that's that's where I'm coming from with it all, really. And again, they're not going to necessarily be completely reflective of what's going on out in the world. I think that's really important to know as well. It's not that, you know, just because outside in nature in the winter plants are going beneath the surface that doesn't mean we need to be doing that we might be having you know a really wonderful thriving season of creating and sharing and all of these things and that's great too it's just about understanding and appreciating and having that awareness I think yeah and I was going to ask you this question later but actually it feels good to ask it now which is because you do a lot of teaching and you do a lot of writing how do you find that balance because I feel like that's kind of connected with what we're talking about in terms of you know sometimes you're full of abundance and lots of ideas and writing and sometimes you have that that um, incubation time how do you balance because I find if I'm and this is the kind of rut I got myself into a couple of years ago I was teaching so much literally had no time I'm quite an all or nothing person anyway I find balance quite difficult I'm always having to remind myself of it um yeah, when I'm teaching a lot, I find my creativity wanes a bit and I get a bit frustrated. But then when I'm in creativity, mode, I find it very difficult to teach um, in the way that I would say online or which I don't really do anymore. Yeah. How do you find that balance if there is one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think firstly, I don't think there is necessarily a balance that we, we are striving for in that sense. And uh, what, what I usually go with is this sense of tilting, which um, uh, Brooke McCallery talks about in her podcast. 
but it's that sense of shifting more towards one thing than another rather than holding two things equally at the same time that have to be in perfect balance and can't move at all it's more this sense of okay I need to put my attention to this one thing when I shift over here for a bit and that other thing might wane a bit and then we're going to move around and it's kind of more fluid so I guess there's that to say about balance firstly but in terms of uh, the, the kind of teaching and the creativity and the writing and how they are tilting rather than balanced I guess uh, for me it's like there's two responses there firstly I found connecting with the monthly cycles over the past I don't know five or six years really really pivotal because I know that in my body I'm going to feel very differently and in my mind very very differently at certain times of the month um, and that's for my personal cycle, but also the lunar cycle as well. And that might not be the exact same every month, but there are some kind of things I notice that I might show up one day where um, I am kind of in my premenstrual phase, for instance. And then I'm suddenly like, I can do everything. I can do all the things. I can get everything finished. I'm super focused. And then a week later, I'm just like, no, nope, yeah. absolutely gone. <laughs> um, so that's one thing has been trusting into that because I find that really, really hard as somebody that likes this sense of structure and routine and knowing what's going to happen, basically. I, I've always liked that. And it's been a real ongoing journey and process to detach from that and to think, actually, I'm going to trust that that feeling is going to come back and that I'm going to get way more done if I can kind of show up with that intentionality and that um, energy as opposed to kind of pushing through on a certain time so with my um, creativity that is the one thing that I can connect with so I'm not showing up and writing every day that is that is not the kind of writer I am at all because I know that it will feel rubbish <laughs> some of the time and yeah some of the time it does feel rubbish I think when you're creating and we're writing but I don't really want to feel that all the time if I don't have to so I'm kind of carving my own path through um, with, with that, really. And um, the other side of things is something to do with my work that I've been introducing this past year and is really only just coming to fruition and settling in now is that I'm working with these immersions or term times now. So I'm kind of showing up for the teaching for um, four weeks at a time and showing up each week for that and then taking a break of either a week or two weeks away from the teaching to do things still to kind of still work but allow myself that space to create to write to shift things around to re redefine stuff to um yeah, edit things mm. and it allows me that headspace you were talking about finding it difficult to kind of show up for the teaching when there's that creative practice lingering that really helps me to know that it's coming up even if I'm feeling like, oh, but I kind of want to do that or I'm not quite in that mindset, it allows me to have those lengthier phases where I can connect with both of those things. And as I said, it's just it's just settling in really at the moment, but so far it feels really, really so much better. Yeah. And it's giving me that space so I can do those things beneath the surface, so I can read the books that I want to, so I can go out and reroute into my own practice of connecting with, with nature, with the seasons, so then I can show up refreshed, ready to teach and kind of with all these new insights or reflections that I can bring then. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think I'm not self-employed anymore, but when I was, that was something I think there is so much you just, I mean, I did constantly felt like I had to just keep going just every week, just pack your diary because like, it's almost that 
fear of scarcity, I guess, of like, it might all dry up and then I have nothing, so I need to, you know, and I love that you've taken that, that, um, that opportunity to just sit back and say, what is, what's actually working for me? And what is going to work for me as a professional, but also as a creative person? Um, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, and it's, I, I have a very privileged position that I can make these decisions. You know, I'm self-employed now, but I was a secondary school English teacher. And, you know, that was impossible, isn't it, in the teaching world? Yes. I know you can <laughs> empathise with that there. <laughs> um, but it, it, so I am privileged in that sense. And I completely know and understand and appreciate that. Um, and I also believe that, again, there needs to be some kind of societal shift to allow for this ebb and flow and this connection with these things and that's something I really feel passionately about and that's also not to say that my time isn't full either um, there's lots going on still it's just I'm kind of reprioritizing um, and I, I guess one of the things that I've always talked about is that whatever you call it whatever label you give it you know seasonal living slow living intentional whatever you call that it has to have some kind of framework some structure to it it's not that you just sort of float along and do what we want and kind of whisk, whistle away in the wind or anything like that is impossible you know that's not life is it and bringing these structures and frameworks in in an intentional way has been really pivotal for for me and enabled me to do these things in a way that just um, ha moving through without that sense of purpose it would have made it impossible and so let's go back a little bit because you kind of mentioned this idea of creative spirit and I was thinking when you were speaking about that, what, what's your relationship going back with that creative spirit? When did that kind of start and, and get, I guess, ignited? Or when did you kindle that relationship kind of going back? Have you always been quite, quite creative or is that something you've been a bit later? I think I've been creative in different ways. So I remember when I was, um, when I was a lot younger, my my dad did a lot of painting and drawing and that kind of thing. So there was always pictures um, that my sister and I had drawn all the way through the house and all of those kinds of things. And we used to be really creative with like baking. And there was this sense of fostered um, spirit, I suppose, going through our household. Um, and I was really lucky to grow up in that environment where all of these ideas and things we were interested in were really encouraged um, and I suppose when I think back, I would be like, I had my little uh, reporter's notebooks and things and I would go around and notice all the things going on, like, I guess in the same way that you journal and things now. Um, but it it felt like I wanted to get things written on the page and I didn't necessarily write stories or anything at that point. Um, and I think for me, actually going through formal um, education system felt quite difficult because I felt like there was a certain pathway I had to follow like I was quite academically um, focused at school and I got good grades and all of those kind of things so there was a real expectation from myself and because of, of being in that environment I think not from my family or anything like that but from me wanting to achieve and that kind of stifled that creativity I think because I felt like I needed to have somebody else's approval to believe that I was creatively gifted or however you want to phrase it. And that was quite difficult to, again, detach myself from 
as I was going through university and as I was coming out from that. And then it didn't really help. I then threw myself back into the education system and trained to be a teacher because that then lingered. And I think the real pivotal point with my creativity was when I got to the almost when I was, you know, about ready to leave teaching and I was I kind of had enough. And one of the reasons that that was part of that decision was because I wanted to connect with my own creative practice again. I felt that stifling sense of I can't get it out. And I didn't know what it was. It was just in me and I needed to connect with it again. And I felt like all of those things that had built up in my life had just made that impossible. And it was a kind of I had to do it. It was it was a this needs to happen because it's built up over time now. And the moment that I left job and started my master's in creative writing so freeing just because I had created that space and I think that's really hard uh, if we feel like we want to create something whatever that is if we don't have the space to do that it's really hard to prioritize it and now I work with um with a lot of people that are in their 50s 60s 70s and are at the point where they want to write maybe a book or something like that and they want to connect with that and it's taken that long to say those words and I don't think that's surprising and I don't think that's rare at all it's it's a really common thing that we maybe have something when we're we're younger and it feels like we're nurturing it a bit and then life gets annoyed and everything comes on and we lose it so quickly and it's only through consciously kind of having that awareness of oh yeah that was a thing I really enjoyed that where's that gone or I'm actually interested in this now can I unpick that and connect with that again and I, I really don't think it's an easy process but it's really essential I think to connecting and understanding who we are as people um, in this world and in doing that I think we then also connect with the world around us and that's certainly what's happened for me so after going through that process and giving myself that space which I was very fortunate to be able to do it was the time when there was some funding for master's degrees coming in and I was pregnant so it kind of perfectly aligned Um, but it enabled me to very structurally and quite formulaically have that space in my diary and be like it's okay I'm allowed to write I can do that and that was almost like that permission slip and then it opened that doorway to everything else um and it's just finding your way through that doorway I think sometimes that's the hardest point and once you're through it's not easy but you're aware of it all and you're aware that it's important and within you and you can feel that creative fire and spirit and it's not going to go away after that I guess. And I feel like the permission part is such a big part of it. I was just thinking, especially anyone who does anything that involves caregiving, everything, you know, whether that's teaching or parenting or whatever, um, everything sort of becomes a bit altruistic, which is, you know, it's never, altruism is never a bad thing, but sometimes it can feel like, or be pitched as, creativity and engaging with your own creativity as being a bit selfish like you know because you're spending time by yourself this is not for anyone else necessarily this is stuff that you're creating because it's in you and it needs to come out that can lead to an altruistic thing like if you then start to you know you're working with people and you're offering that out and maybe you write a book and it changes someone's life or your art you know you can then engage with people creating some art, whatever it is I think that mission thing is because that, that's the starting point. And I think for so many people, that's like the hardest thing. I know it is for me. Um, 
yeah. Do you is that something that you encounter with people that you work with? Yes, a lot. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, generally people that are showing up and are aware of who I am and what I do in the world are people that care and they have similar values and they want to do good in the world. They want to leave a re- a positive footprint and leave this place maybe better than they came to it and with all of that in mind it can be completely restrictive to to really say actually no I'm gonna prioritize this because it does feel selfish and I think for me that's why I needed that it's okay I'm getting the funding for the master's it's okay I'm pregnant am I allowed to have a bit of time off it's okay because this 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 and we almost seek out those permission slips those excuses those reasons why it's okay to do this but as I've you know got older and I as I've journeyed further I really do believe that it's important no matter what we don't need those things but they are there and we seek them out because of who we are and because of um, what we want to, what kind of person we want to be, I guess. And we want to be that, I'm putting air quotes here, that good person. And we want to make that um, positive impact. And we don't want to be seen as being selfish. Um, but I think, I think that's actually why I end up working with, this isn't uh, generalism at all. I do work with people of all ages, but I do find that there are a number of people that are in 50s, 60s, 70s that come to me because it's taken that long to get to that point, to disconnect from that belief. They're kind of coming to the realization that it's okay to do this. It isn't a selfish thing, or if we're gonna call it selfish, then that isn't necessarily a negative word to use to describe it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're coming back to the self so that we can make that impact that you were speaking of, that altruism, and it just takes a while to for that to sink in, I think, and for us to believe it. Um, and that's that's a real process. It's a real ongoing thing. And sometimes we might not ever get there. Um, and it's my really vision, I guess, my hope and my drive to try and help people to connect with that and to be like, actually, no, I do believe in this and to kind of encourage that belief in themselves. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, as you were speaking, one one question that I often ask people is about the connection to nature and earliest memories and stuff like that. But actually, I think my question for you is more like, when did you, because, you know, everything that you do is about nature and creativity. And I wonder when, was there a point that you can remember or did it just happen very gradually where nature became more of an ally in your creativity and you started to embrace like you talk about the wheel you know, the cyclical living in like, the wheel of the year I guess and was there a point when when you like found out about that and it changed everything or did that kind of drip in um gradually and off the back of that what impact did you did that have on what you were creating I think it was it was quite gradual in some senses and it really started when I made the choice to write a blog and that was oh god I don't know about eight eight years ago now it's probably longer than that actually yeah it's probably longer and it, whatever it was um and I started to write about my life in the countryside because I'd moved from living in a town 
to living in the countryside and I decided to grow veg and try and do some things in the small amount of time I had around training to be a teacher um, and I was just writing about that basically so that was that was where it began I suppose that that process and then through that I started to read more widely about these ideas and concepts and immersed myself in writers that were interested in some of the things that I now teach about, like the wheel or the cycles or all of those sorts of ideas. And it started to sort of set off something in my brain that was like, hang on, what's this? This is really exciting. And I sort of clung to it as this sense of understanding, I think. It finally felt like, oh, maybe there are more people out there that feel this way or think about the world in this way whereas before I'd maybe felt a little bit adrift I always remember it's a very weird memory but I was at university and I put some photographs on Facebook when I was at uni it was the first time Facebook was like just starting to emerge um just um started sharing photographs on there it was possible and I put an album up there that was called something like spring 2000 and whatever and somebody was like you can't you can't tag your life by seasons Eleanor and I was like yes I can oh and it was, it was a really strange comment it was like what are you doing just segmenting your life in this way I was like well that's how I see the world and it I remember I don't know it was a small thing but I clung to that memory because it felt like a significant moment of hang on this is different I see the world differently to other people that's okay but why do I do that and I guess it took a number of years through li living in a different environment and that's why I, it was called creative countryside in the first place simply because I was feeling more creative and I lived in the countryside it was no more insightful <laughs> um, and I mean of course we don't have to live in the countryside to feel connected with our creativity to feel connected with nature you know it's none of that is is, is relevant or um right now I don't believe that at all but that's why it was called that because it started in that place at that moment and I think, yeah, it evolved over those few years that I lived in that property um, as I started to sort of open my mind to all of these ideas. And the more I read, the more I immersed myself in it, the more I felt like, OK, this is a homecoming now. I know that this is what I feel is part of my journey. Um, and that's not to say that any of these things are part of everybody's journeys. But for me, that was that point when I started to take those on I can't remember what the second part of your question was sorry what what impact by the way I love the word homecoming um yeah it was the what impact did it have on what what you were creating that was it yes so I think because I was naturally writing my specific observations kind of in the moment my writing automatically took on this seasonality and I would write about what to cook or what to grow or what to um but read maybe or kind of inspirational things for each of those times of year and then it very naturally evolved that I then thought okay what else feels relevant at this time of year let's go beyond the more practical ways of connecting with this season what else is there and then ideas like um archetypes and stories and all of these other ways and lenses to connect with the self started to come out and then it was just an ongoing process after that really. I love that and that leads quite nicely on to asking you about creative countryside, world academy and everything you do there. What, what are the sort of 
offerings and um, yeah, I suppose how, I mean, you've kind of talked about how creative countryside came about, but in terms of like the teaching and the offerings, um, what are they? But also what was it that led to those being something that you wanted to create and put out into the world to help people? So when I was working on creative countryside and in the early days and started to think about maybe working with courses or working with other people, it, it really just stemmed from that experience I've just described um, and of just maybe saying, do you feel this too? Let's draw it together. And it had that sense of community and connection right from the start. And I think the teaching lens came in when I felt more comfortable and like I knew more about it, like I'd immersed and lived it a bit more. Um, and that's when the teaching lens came through. And as a result of that, I started to develop deeper connections with people in the online world who felt the same. And so one of those connections was with Maddie Lawson, who is the um, co-founder of the Wild Academy with myself. And so when I sort of had an idea for um, doing a whole year long course at the time, it was a few years ago now, it was like, whoa, a whole year? Really? I mean, there's loads of them about now, but people were like, whole year? And I just put a question on Instagram, I think like, would you be interested in connecting with nature over this time frame? And people were like, yeah, great. And Maddie got in touch and she was like, yes, I want to work with you alongside you to do this. And there was no necessarily intention to, to, to kind of figure out exactly what that would look like. But we started um, a friendship and it developed. And then we were able to um, bring our personal experiences together to co-create. And that's what we do now with the Wild Academy. And what we realized as well was that initially we were doing this through a membership and we were connecting people on this kind of uh, monthly basis. And there were stories and there was a mini magazine and all of these sorts of things. And there was uh, a lot of writing and um, also in-person connections and things like that. But then that, over time, what we were realizing is that all of our experience being self-employed had shifted to reflect what was going on outside as well. And it was almost like, oh, hang on, this could be a thing too. Maybe other people don't know about this in the same way that I felt like other people didn't know about the connection with nature and the living world and all of these sorts of things. And it was really very organically created in the early stages that we figured that actually there could be a way of doing work, showing up for our business that suited our own individual selves and also connected with these cycles and these rhythms that I was talking about earlier and came from a very different approach to the mechanistic way of work that is so ingrained into our society and that we have all most of us been brought up as expecting as the norm and that's really what we do now with the Wild Academy we work with self-employed people who feel like they want to go down a different path so um, who want to connect with what's going on and ask the questions and understand that it's maybe a different approach to to showing up for our work for our creativity for our practice and we do attract a lot of creative um, people to our programs and we run a membership collective for that and a one-year <laughs> transformative program that we offer as well which is kind of way more in depth and that's reworld your work um, and it kind of does what it says in the tin really that we try to bring that sense of rewilding 
to an area that feels the opposite almost <laughs> um, in our Western society at least. Um, and so that's where really where that work has developed over the past few years. And we're now in the fourth year of that program We're welcoming people now that's open at the moment for enrollment. And it feels like we've just been able to add our own experiences to that over time as well. And when I was speaking before about this sense of the ongoing journey, like I never think that I'm going to have finished a, an offering a course because yeah. there's, there's like each year I'm going to be like, hang on, I've learned this. I want to add that. This needs to change. That, I mean, that's life isn't it I think just creating something and being like I'm happy with it it doesn't need to shift when we're creating maybe a book or a piece of artwork there is that sense of finality in a way but I think that's why I like teaching that's why I like courses and coming again because it has that cyclical nature of being able to change things around um, and that's that's really important for me to be able to bring my understandings as they have evolved to the picture and to um, the journey of other people as well. Um, so that's kind of the Wild Academy and how we've shifted away with that. And then alongside that, I also work on my own individually with writers on their journey as well. So I've, I've shifted this, it's called Wild Writers at the moment. And all these spaces, but it helps me to kind of have this segment of what I'm showing up for when. And through the wild writers work that I'm doing it's been really amazing to be able to to see people's journeys um with and their relationships with creativity and how they feel about it and what they want to achieve and how there are so many limiting beliefs and also societal structures and things that feel like they're just squashing it all out of us and what I've been trying to do um over the past few years with that is is to just help those creative ideas and visions emerge. So I work with people that are maybe writing a book. Um, that's my wider program, it's called Unfurl. And it's about just connecting with what we want to write, that real thing within us, that creative spirit again, that's not going away. That's like, you know, I kind of want you to get this on paper sometime soon. And it's about connecting with that, with maybe the intention of writing a book, but maybe not. And then I'm running kind of smaller workshops alongside. I mean, it sounds like a lot as I'm just sharing it all now. <laughs> um, but then I run smaller workshops to reconnect with kind of specific things. So um, like there's an upcoming one next month about the river and about how just seeing our lives and our creative practice through that lens of a river environment, of that biome, can help us to understand ourselves and the world around us even better. So, I mean, all of these things that I'm sharing now they feel maybe like there's a lot or they're maybe not quite connected, but they fundamentally are because at the root of everything is this idea that, okay, I want to connect with the world around me. I want to connect with the earth. I want to create a good impact. I want to be a good ancestor. How can I do that? Okay, I'm going to do that by firstly coming into myself and thinking, who am I? What do I want to say? What stories are within me and what's going to come out? And that's really at the root of everything think and you say it may not sound very connected it does sound very connected to me like you say it's all that yeah it all it's it's different branches of the same tree you know um and did you you did an anthology or you're doing an anthology is that right yeah so um it's just been published over the summer intrinsic oh, wow. and it was a collection 
that I had the vision for uh, last autumn and I invited people to um, submit pictures for pieces of writing that really showcased their own personal relationships with nature, with the more than human world. And I didn't really give any more focus than that. I've always been the kind of um, creative or editor when I was, I was running a magazine in the early days of Creative Countryside, of course, as well. I almost forget about that. Um, but I've always been the sort of person that is like, I don't want to bring loads to this. Tell me what you want to say. Because and it comes back to that sense of what is that story within you that you want to get out? And I want to try and help you give you a platform to do that. And that's really what this book was for. So I opened that floor and I had a huge response and people wanting to share these stories because there aren't many places for us to be able to do that, especially if we've felt like um, maybe we don't want to write a blog or we don't want to kind of go through the publishing process or anything like that. And it was hopefully this intention to to welcome and invite people that maybe hadn't had this opportunity before to share their stories. And what it resulted in was a collection of 12 pieces that really came from the soul. There were pieces in there, there are pieces in there, I should say, because it is now published. Um, there are pieces in there that unpick grief and loss and identity and trauma and all of these things, but also passion and joy and um, and and really, I'm not I'm not kind of segmenting these either into positive and negative emotions because they're all interwoven in these pieces that are in the anthology, and they're so deeply personal, they're so deeply rooted in that individual, and that's what comes through. So they're not all linked by a specific theme other than connection with with nature, with the living world. Um, but they still have this sense of movement, have this sense of a journey through them because it, they're, they're connected by that, that individual's journey and how that unfurls. And, and I mean, they're incredibly inspiring. I was very, very lucky to be able to work with these brilliant people who put their trust in this project. And it, um, it came to life and yeah, we published it in, in July in the end. Uh, so it's out there in the world now but it's my, my approach has always been as well to try and limit the amount of waste in publishing because I think it's an industry that is very disconnected with its impact on the world and I mean I think you see these piles and of um, of books that haven't even been unwrapped from their plastic shrink wrap I mean it's because they've they thought they were going to sell them all and they haven't and mm -hmm. Um, I get that it's not an easy thing to come away from in that industry but for me the sense of producing something that was a physical tangible object but also that didn't have this impact on the on the, on the world around us um, in the same way that that kind of image as I was describing there does was really really important so I, I only printed the number that were ordered and that was it um because I didn't want piles and boxes behind me going to waste thinking about how that um would have felt it just it wasn't my approach at all and that's really why I think I 
I resonate with this idea of self-publishing because not because I don't agree with traditional publishing process and like for some people that works really really well but for me self-publishing allows people that don't maybe get given that voice to share their stories and it allows them to do it in a way that makes sense for them and that's kind of what happened with the anthology in the end really uh, but I mean also at the same time the printers did actually mess it up and they sent all the first orders of the paperbacks with a load of black marks all over them which oh, no. caused, like, I know it was an absolute nightmare I couldn't send them to people that had put their trust and their money oh. in ordering so now I have two boxes in my <laughs> kitchen of black marked books oh. which I am in the process of finding a place for in the world and they are going to be out there so I am going to you know make use of them they are going to find homes but it was just an example I thought you know if you think about what the natural response would have been from many bigger publishers it would have been like bin them fine get rid of them mm-hmm. um it's just oh, it just doesn't sit just doesn't sit well with me at all and everything I'm doing with my writing and publishing in that area comes from this sense of wanting to tread lightly I think yeah I think that's the thing that I think that's the thing that stands out, isn't it? Is when you when you are working for yourself, you can do things the way that you want to, and also not getting. I think I find it quite admirable, not you not getting carried away by wanting to get it out there to all these people and ordering, because that I should imagine when you're doing something, that's the kind of, especially when it's print, that's the um, the temptation. Let's say is to just go big or go home you know and you order 500 copies and you end up with 300 sat like you say like in, in the back room or something and that must feel quite depressing as well you know to have created something like that and knowing that it those those copies aren't ever going to see the light of day necessarily if you're ordering too much whereas yeah I love the fact that you just ordered what was ordered or you got printed what was ordered and yeah that's 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 the tick you know that's that was the goal yeah I think that's refreshing to hear yeah and I think it that decision I was really set on and very firm on from the get-go and it partly evolved from my own learning process as well because when I was producing Creative Countryside magazine there were eight issues of that and the first one was through a crowdfunder so it was very easy to know how many to print and the second one I printed too many of I was expecting that people would order more again and it was really kind of the same amount and that's fine and it was fine at the time but I'd overestimated and then I found myself with lots and lots of copies and that was the trigger point for me to think hang on this there's got to be a better way of doing this rather than looking at these three boxes sat behind me now with nowhere to go in the world um and that's really where that decision came from is that experience but um I read an interesting statistic this week or last week I don't even know where it comes from so I I can't clarify whether it's definitely accurate or anything but it was something like uh, I don't know 80% or whatever percentage it was a high percentage of books only sell a maximum of 12 copies which just seemed insane it was it was a ridiculous statistic um but I mean even if it's more than that that's such a small number that inevitably you're going to print more than 12 um with the expectation that you're going to sell more so there's always going to be that sense of loss both in terms of paper you know very physical but also in terms of who we are and what we you know that what we've actually produced that's really hard to 
to yeah. put our energy and like our life force into something and be like oh I've only sold like a tenth of what I thought or and and that creative process that part of it I think is really really difficult and that's also why I want to do the work I'm doing because I want to help people that maybe don't feel very confident about that process but do have that story within them to bring that out in a way that works for them think self-publishing feels so it feels brave it feels like a really brave thing to do to 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 get the story out of you and then to say I'm going to do it myself and I have a couple of friends that have self-published and they've done book launches and all of that thing I'm like oh you're so brave I would love to do that but I don't know I'm getting closer now to the point where I might but yeah it just feels like such a leap it does and I I think it, it's connected with that sense of I've done the bits I've done the inner things that's okay I can get the words onto a piece of paper or onto the laptop screen and then oh now it feels really really hard because now I'm thinking I'm coming out of myself and connecting with that external that outer world and that shift if we think about that seasonally that's from like the winter the introspection of winter and the kind of seeds beneath the surface and they very very literally have to push and like thrust themselves out of the earth and it's a real active process to shift into spring to unfurl to emerge that's not easy as a human being i don't think um to to go through that when we feel insecure about these things or we feel like maybe we're not good enough or there's there's so many things embroiled in that but that process of pushing and, and not in a very horrible kind of pushing forward sense but in 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 very much emerging beyond that that restraint of that one phase that that season that you know that layer of the earth there and once you've kind of broken through that I think then more feels possible. You're in that environment, you're in that world, and it's like, okay, take a breath, I can do this. But that very specific shift out of there is really, really hard. And that's why I called my writing program Unfurl, because that's the bit that we're kind of focusing on, that coming out, that stretching out. Um, but I also think that it's it's not a failure to think, okay, I want to do this, and maybe I want to self-publish, but actually I can't. And there shouldn't be that sense of obligation or like why can't I do that why is this so hard because it is because of so many things because of your life experience because of society because of all these things um and it, it might always feel like that and that's as well why I want to do more um publishing with creative countryside because I want to help people that can't do that bit themselves that want to do it that want to get those words out but that's the real difficulty. And some people kind of going through that and mentoring and that kind of idea will help them through and they can do it individually. But for some people, that's not possible. And I'm kind of bridging both of those, I think, at the same time. And it's such a unique offering in that sense, I think, which is, yeah, it's, and more and more people are self-publishing, aren't they? So it's very much, and I love that image of, of the push is the hardest thing. Um, does make me think of childbirth, but yeah. <laughs> so I've got a couple more questions that I ask everyone. Um, but if it's okay, I've got another one that I wanted to ask you, which is kind of about creative blocks um, and just anything that you, whether you have a, a, a kind of favoured creative space that helps you, or if you are having those moments where you just, there's just a wall and it's very difficult to get past that wall, um, what, how you kind of help yourself 
through that? I think that's a really important question because everybody experiences that at some point. Um, and for me, firstly, that's usually a signal that I'm doing too much, that I've got too much on my plate if I'm experiencing that. Um, but sometimes it's impossible to kind of remove anything at that point in time. So the, the main thing that I always do is to do a very simple walk, which is up the fields behind my house. And it's only about, I don't know, a mile and a bit, but it's up past the hedgerow. And I've spoken about this hedgerow to so many people so many times, and it's not even very big, but it's really, really important for me personally, because I can see the micro changes in the seasons around me. I can see that moment when the hazelnuts are just starting to ripen and I know the squirrels are gonna come out and get them before anybody else does. I can see that moment when the hawthorn berries change from being kind of really kind of orangey scarlet to being a rich, almost burgundy color. And I can see the moment where the cow parsley has crumbled up and fallen to the wayside. All of these really tiny things that we can so easily just walk by. And I do walk by them, you know, some on some walks frequently. But if I'm feeling that creative block, I need to go slowly on this route and, and really open my eyes and see things. And if I can do that, if I can get out of my head and connect again with my body in that way, connect with these small changes and how things are moving on, regardless of what else is going on in my life, um, that really helps to ground me back into what is important firstly but also brings me more often than not that inspiration that I'm seeking because I'm going to see something new every time and I remember when I was writing I wrote a chapbook of poetry a couple of years ago now and I had maybe two poems I think that I wanted to write still and I went up and I went the other side of the hedgerow which is kind of a veg patch area and I went up and I just stood there at this gate and I looked up and I looked around me for about five minutes and then the po a poem arrived and that I mean, it rarely happens, does it? That something just comes and like, oh, fully formed, brilliant. Um, but it did. And it was because I was feeling so angry and frustrated that I couldn't think of this final thing that I needed to do and I wanted to do that. And it just took that moment to take myself out of that place. I think a shift in place, uh, an expansion. I'm, I'm very lucky I live in the Lincolnshire Wolds and our skies are really huge here. So I had that sense of scale. And I think that can really help as well. Often with our creativity, we're quite focused and maybe hunched down at a paper or a laptop or whatever it is you're creating. And to kind of open ourselves, open our bodies, take that breath, look beyond, for me, is, is the really key thing. I think skies are great. And I feel like everything that you've just said is something that anyone can do. You know, even if you live surrounded by concrete houses, you can still notice the tree, the street tree, or the yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking like cow parsley is everywhere, and and having that one, like we have a tree outside our house, and we, you know, I encourage the kids to kind of notice it throughout the seasons, and it becomes like a friend, like even if you know someone might be walking past and like you say a hedgerow and they just see it every day and every day they notice it because it's so easy to kind of get that stuff and ignore that stuff especially when it's such a rush um I think you're so right and that reminded me of the other thing that I do which again I think is we can all maybe relate to is 
either going to your back door or choosing a window in your house where there's something that you can see. And that might just be the sky above a load of chimney pots or something. That might just be like a little patch of wildness around the back door. It doesn't have to be much, but I think if we regularly come to that space, we have, as you were describing there, that sense of familiarity, that relationship, and we notice these things. And it just takes a little bit of time to get in that rhythm and to prioritize it, I think. But, you know, whether we're stuck in a place, whether we're um, in uh, an environment that maybe people don't feel is very connected with nature or that there's not very much of it about, I mean, I think they're absolutely wrong because it's everywhere. Um, we can notice it if we tune into it. And I think that's the, the, the thing that we, if we do that, and if we are open to what maybe that can teach us or what that can inspire us with or just how that maybe makes us feel, that can be a really big shift. Yeah, it can change so much, can't it? Um, so last couple of questions. I, 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 I really, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I love hearing all of your ideas and thoughts in here. This is just lovely. Um, so the first one is, what's the lesson that you've learned on your journey I think it's probably what has been emerging over this conversation really in that it's interesting and insightful and compelling maybe to hear about and to learn about seasons and cycles and archetypes mythology and stories and all of these things that I've been talking about but that ultimately there's no one set path to unearth your place in the world and there's only your journey and that might look very different to the person sitting next to you that doesn't mean you're any less connected with what's going on or with yourself and I think if we want to feel rooted in place and if we want to feel a part of the earth and kind of really in tune with what's going on around us then first we need to go within ourselves and maybe unpick those societal narratives or let go of those shoulds or other unhelpful thoughts or feelings um, that we've maybe quite understandably been holding on to but then if we come back to ourselves in that way then we understand our place in the modern human world as well um, so I guess what it comes down to is that opening of our awareness to kind of connecting and reconnecting with ourselves but also at the same time the world around us. That was lovely, thank you. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Um, and then the the final question is, so I often ask this question is, what's your hope for the future? And I'm starting to move towards this idea of like envisioning the future, which is kind of like a hope. But if you look ahead, it might be something that you're looking forward to in terms of your own life or the direction that you see around you of, of nature and whatever. What is that kind of, what are you seeing when you look ahead that makes you feel inspired, I guess? Good question. Um, <laughs> well, I thought I'd change the hope thing a little, just change it up to series five. <laughs> I like it. Thing, but yeah. I think that if, if the, more, the more people that can begin to connect with this sense and this power of storytelling, and our own stories that are within us, that creative flame, that spirit that we were talking about at the beginning. If, if more people can do that, 
and then through that connect with the planet then that's the point where change can be ignited and I think that I really do believe that the words and stories of every individual deserve to be heard that these stories we're hearing are nourishment for ourselves and if we are then well nourished we can then make change ourselves so coming back to that sense of moving away from selfishness um, with that creative spirit that creative spark and creating that space for ourselves because if we can come to our own creative practice if we can come to whatever is inside of us and find a way to untap that and to let it free and to expand it um that is our way I think of reconnecting with all of those things that I've been talking about um and that's the hope for me that if we're going to create positive change in this world and I mean my god it needs it if we're going to do that then we want to feel rooted in it <laughs> there has to be that reason and if we feel rooted in it through our own story and we understand our own story and we share that story with other people around us, we can then inspire other people to do the same thing. We can inspire change. We can inspire people to get up, go outside, root themselves in where they are, wherever that may be, and feel like, OK, yes, I am a part of this earth. I'm not just something completely separate from it, completely segmented and away from it. I am here no matter how disconnected I might feel, no matter how uprooted I might have been throughout my life so far, there is a way to replant me back into this soil, back into this earth, back into this place that I am now, wherever that be, and understand what that means in the context of my life. And I think for me, that's the really exciting shift forward is this sense of storytelling and connection with the world around us but very much rooted in the place you are right now whether that be in your human life like whatever phase you are or also very physically in place where you are rooted in the world as well and kind of combining all of those things and weaving those threads together is where my journey is taking me in terms of my research teaching and learning and things like that but also where I believe there's a huge amount of potential for, for other creatives in the world as well. That was so beautiful. That was, yeah, really inspiring to listen to. And I, it, I suddenly had this flash of memory of a conversation I had. I think it was in like series one with someone. And we, I'm sure we said something about words as compost. I'm sure there was something about compost there. And when you said about the like being uprooted and then replanting yourself, and that, that I just had this image, this is going to sound really silly, of like a plant person. <laughs> With like you know like like a daffodil head with a little face or you know like a daisy with a little face being planted back in and then telling the story and all the words coming out of the mouth and going into the soil and that was what then helped it to grow that was that was yeah those two things happened as you were speaking and i love that that image was wonderful um it i think i remember the conversation as well i, I listened to it all of um the episodes in in that series a number of times because I remember it was like oh this is really really my thing um but I can't remember who it was either I but think also was, I think it was um uh Ian Solomon Kowal I, I have a feeling because he was talking about his writing and his work with 
like permaculture stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it was something to do with that. <laughs> it made me think of something that um, I wanted to, uh, I can recommend as well in that, that sense of composting stories and like very literally rerouting our stories. Um, the writer Sophie Strand writes an awful lot about that at the moment. Um, and she comes from this perspective of um, understanding all of these so-called binaries and they're not being the binaries and and actually uh, everything is kind of I'm doing a hand gesture here everything is completely connected together and intertwined and whoever we are whatever our place in the world whatever our bodies are whatever we're doing all of that is part of that story and all of that impacts things around us um, this is an area of work that I'm really really interested in at the moment as well in this sense of how the weather how other people how ourselves how the time that we're in the era all of these things can kind of meld together to create the stories that we want to share because that's the other thing about our stories right now they're relevant right now in the place they are in right now and that's what's going to help the world and the earth right now and that doesn't mean we can't draw on other stories from other time periods and kind of pick those up um, and other phases in our life as well but it's I think about acknowledging that we can reroute them we can compost them and we can think okay that was then this is now how does how is it right now and I guess that comes back to this present moment and this sense of you know mindfulness and and staying in the now and and, and I think that's really encouraging of, of, that, of that sentiment um, and, and really just taking that pause in the cycle and thinking okay how is it all panning out at the moment yeah um I, honestly I've loved this conversation I'm so glad we got to talk me too it's um, been lovely yeah and so can you just tell us people where they can find you uh online in person or the things you're doing how to get how to connect of course I think um I'm usually on Instagram um I took a summer break but I'm coming back now so you'll find me at creative countryside or at the wild academy um and then all the links and things um will come through those uh, that's probably the easiest way to contact me or connect thank you so much this is yeah this has just been such a joy and you know when you speak to someone you listen to someone speak you're just like yeah 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, Helen, for just giving me this platform to be able to talk to you and share my visions and ideas. It's it's just been really nice to chat with somebody who gets it and who uh, is creating an opportunity for others to have these connection points on their own journeys as well. I think podcasts like this are so important because they are those points of inspiration they are those moments where we think aha okay maybe yeah that was that was something I maybe wanted to try or oh god I've not thought of that before that sounds brilliant I think that's why podcasts are so powerful because we can kind of listen to them in the background and they're going on and then you're like god yes that's really significant for me and I think the guests that you've had on just show that there's so much so much out there for us to connect with and so many ways to connect with the, the world around us and it's just about finding our route through so thank you for you know sharing all these journeys and stories with others because I really really enjoy listening to them all the time it's so lovely to hear that and I'm so glad that it's connected with me and ditto I love what you do and yeah I yeah thank just yeah thank you so much for coming on and chatting it's my pleasure what you're doing 
Thanks, Helen. I really appreciate it.